We've been in a series for Advent called Christmas Stories, where we look at the stories of those people that were closest to Jesus at his birth and discover the message for us in their stories and really just kind of unwrap that gift each week. Our first week in Advent, we looked at Joseph, and we looked at his story of courage because despite the scorn and the mocking of the community, he chose to do the right thing. Even before the angel of the Lord filled him in on all the details, he was willing to do the right thing because, as scripture said, he was a righteous man. And then after the angel appeared to him in the dream, he was even more obedient to God's request, despite what the world was going to mock him for, despise him for, scorn him for. And then last week we looked at Mary, and in her story we saw hope. She understood that she was being used as an instrument by God. She may not have had a full picture of what will take place, but she had hope. She trusted in a a good God, a just God, a merciful God, a God that's overflowing with grace. And that's where her hope was. So that in that, she knew that whatever she was about to face, that as a part of God's plan, with him being sovereign and him being in charge, he was going to take care of all the details for her. She had nothing to really worry about because she knew it was his plan. And when it's his plan, it will always come to fruition. Always. And that's where Mary placed her hope. That's the hope that we have through Jesus. And this morning, we're going to turn our attention to the shepherds. And in their story... We're going to find joy. Wait, shepherds, joy, shepherds, joy. That just doesn't, that doesn't, you know, shepherds sitting in the fields with their sheep. Just, now where's the joy in that? Because to me that just doesn't sound much like joy, does it? But, you know, shepherds, not a glamorous job at all. Have you, you guys ever heard of that show, Dirty Jobs? by Mike Rowe, I believe, and he goes out and he tests out the messiest, dirtiest jobs that are out there. Well, shepherding would have been one of those jobs. I think he actually did a show on one of those where he, he joined shepherds, and it was a messy job. You know, the shepherds were outcasts. No one wanted to be around the shepherds. Their job was dangerous, and it was a 24-7 job. You didn't get a vacation. You didn't get to go to Jamaica. You had no status in society, none. They were just around sheep. They slept with the sheep. They talked to the sheep. They smelt like sheep. So they were basically uneducated. They weren't allowed to go to the schools that the others went to. And if your dad was a shepherd, most likely you were a shepherd. They were infamous for thievery. So they weren't allowed to be witnesses in court cases. So they couldn't be trusted. They were considered very untrustworthy. Don't hear anything that a shepherd says that's not going to be true. 
the Talmud, which is a commentary on Jewish law, actually has these words, no help to heathens and shepherds. So that gives us an idea of, of where shepherds were in society at that time. But yet, God chose them to be the first hearers of the good news. The shepherds, the outcasts, the untrustworthy. And they got the attention of the angels. Great news. The shepherds. Isn't that like our God? <laughs> Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Sometimes I think we take joy for granted. And when we take it for granted, we don't realize that we have it. What we do realize about joy is when we don't have it. That's when we long for it. That's when we hunger and thirst for it. And that's why we want to get joy any way we can. We spend lots of money trying to buy joy. Oh, that car looks so shiny in the lot. That's the one I want. Short-lived joy. The newest iPhone's coming out. I, that's, I want that. Big screen TVs. New house, bigger house. Could be any other myriad of things that catch our attention. Oh, I want that. That'll make me happy. Watch TV, they'll tell you what'll make you happy. Just buy this. $19.99. It's yours. But wait, there's more. You can also get this. And joy will come in the mail delivered at just $19.99 plus $4.99 for shipping. Right? That's where our joy comes, says the world. But joy can't be bought. Joy can't be sold, and it can't be auctioned off on eBay. Joy's a gift from the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The gifts of the Spirit are given by God. We can't create joy by working harder. We can't create joy in our lives by trying harder. See, part of our problem is, is that we think we deserve joy. We deserve that job promotion. We deserve that new car on the lot. We deserve to be happy and joyful no matter what. Well, guess what? I have bad news for you. That's not scriptural at all. You don't deserve any of those things. None of them. And I have more bad news. Joy isn't what the world tells you it is. We think that joy is just kind of sitting on a beach, on a hammock, listening to the waves roll in, the sun shining warmth, Worry-free, free from trials and strife, no hardships whatsoever. 
not scriptural. That's not joy. That's happiness. This is what scripture says about joy. James 1, verses 2 and 3. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. That doesn't sound like great news of great joy. Where's the good news of great joy for all people that the angel of the Lord told the shepherds about? That's the joy I want. Great joy. That's not great joy. Suffering? Since when does that bring joy? See, the great joy actually came out of the shepherds' response to the good news. That's where the joy is. See, joy comes in unexpected ways. It comes in unexpected times when we least expect it. Remember, the shepherds' journey towards joy started with fear. They were terrified. When I was in the waiting room this week in the hospital, you know, waiting for word for for Jay's surgery to be complete, it was amazing because in that moment, there was joy for me. The joy was in the messages that you guys were sending to me. See, I was feeding off of your joy because you guys were being obedient to what the Lord said. The Lord was telling you guys, oh, don't forget, Jay's having surgery today. Send a message. Let them know you're praying. And so my joy came out of your joy and your response, your obedience to God. And that's what kept me going while I was waiting for word. That's how joy comes to us, unexpected, always unexpected. Because we can't buy it, we can't plan it, it's from him. See, the first thing the shepherds did was obey the angel's command. They went to go and see for themselves this baby who was wrapped in clothes lying in a manger. Verse 15 said, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. They wasted no time in responding to the command of the Lord. They didn't weigh the pros and cons of, Oh, will this work or not? Oh, well, wait, we don't have enough things with us. How are we going to make the trip? They didn't do that. They said, the Lord told us, so we're going. And so they hurried. How often do we hurry to do what God asked us to do? Or do we put it off because something else catches our attention and we go in that way? Are we hurrying to be obedient to God? Because if you want to experience the great joy that the Lord has for us, That first step is obedience, obedience to him. And when he says, go, you go. When he says, call, you call. When he puts someone on your mind, contact them right away. There's a reason that he's doing that. Jesus himself said this, John 15, verses 10 through 11. When you obey my commandments... You remain in my love. And just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love, 
I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Jesus himself said, obey me and you will have joy. Those are the words out of his very mouth. In the shepherd's obedience, God was able to reveal his faithfulness to them. In our obedience, God reveals himself to us in ways that should leave us amazed and in awe of what he's doing. That's where joy comes from. And that leads us to our second step towards joy. Praise God. Thank him for all he's done. After the shepherds had seen what the angel had told them was true, they praised him. Verse 20 said the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. Look over your life. Where have you heard and seen God? Are you praising him? Because even the earth is praising him. Psalm 96 verse 11 Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the fields and their crops burst out with joy. Let the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming. Do we praise God the way nature does? Are we rejoicing the way the very trees and the flowers and the oceans are praising him? Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. Don't think that your life is so bad that there's nothing to be thankful for. Because there's always something to be thankful for. A couple of months ago, I had a phone call from a young man who was saying, there's nothing good in my life. There's nothing for me to be happy about. Are you praying? Why should I be praying? Because God's not doing anything good in my life. He doesn't give me what I want. He's doing nothing for me. So I don't want to pray. I said, well, okay. I said, well, let's do this. I said, I want you to take a week. Take that week, and every day... Just 15 minutes. Just pray for 15 minutes asking God to show you where he is in your life. I don't want to do it. He's not going to show me anything. I said, oh, I understand. I said, but just do that one thing and then call me back later. And so a couple of days passed, not even a week. A couple of days I got a phone call back. You were right. Well, what do you mean I was right? God showed me. I had no idea the blessings that I had been given. I said, well, what were they? He said, I had friends that came to me and and reminded me out of the blue. They just thanked me for being there when they needed a friend. I said, oh, okay. Out of the blue, yeah, because that's how God works. But that just proved to this young man that sometimes we just don't see it. 
but say, Lord, show me. Show me. I know you're working, but I can't see it. Help me see it. He'll show you. He'll show you what he's doing. Just seek him. He'll show you. You know, it is easier for us to gripe and complain. Things we can't control, things we don't like in our life. Look at the news on TV. It thrives on the bad news, not the good news. That means that misery loves company. But is that the kind of company we want to be around? Or would you rather be in the company of our Father? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Because if you're feeling anything but joy, start praising the Lord. And I'll tell you, you cannot sit at the feet of Jesus and start complaining to him. Because it won't last very long. When you sit at the feet of Jesus, you can't help but praise him. And I dare you to stay in your pity party very long when you're sitting there at the feet of Jesus praising him for how awesome he is because you're not going to come out of that pity party the same way you went in. So if you start feeling anything but joy, praise him. Praise him for just the beating heart in your chest. Thank him for the breath in your lungs. Thank him for the warmth of the sun, for the coolness of the ocean. Thank him for Jesus, whose death and resurrection brings us eternal life. Once you start thanking him for just little things, then it just becomes this huge wave just rolling over you, and then you can't stop. Praising Jesus just opens us up to experiencing joy. But it's not going to change your circumstances. But it will change you. That's what it did to the shepherds. You know, the shepherds were still shepherds. They went back to their fields to tend their sheep. Even after praising the Lord for all that they had seen. But their experience with Jesus changed them forever. Verse 17 says, they spread the word concerning, concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. These shepherds who were outcasts, these shepherds who were despised, they were spreading the word about Jesus. And those who heard it were amazed. They had every reason to be quiet and keep it to themselves. People already thought they were untrustworthy. How were they going to hear a story about a heavenly host of angels coming out in the middle of the night in a field, telling them to go see a baby in a manger? Who was going to believe that story, especially from the shepherds? But the joy in them, the joy in the shepherds, it was uncontainable. It was overflowing in them. And it was just spilling out to everyone they came in contact with. They had joy because they knew that God was able and willing to do all that he had promised. They may not have known all they needed to know about God, but they knew in that moment that God had told them about the baby, and it was true. The Savior of the world, and that's all they needed.
They acted with obedience. And they experienced God's faithfulness in a whole different way. And that's where our joy is found. It's found in God. It's fulfilled through Jesus and it's revealed to us through our obedience and through our praising and through our gratitude. Kay Warren, in her book, Choosing Joy, has this definition of joy. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confident confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. See, our joy is a result of hearing the news about our Savior and responding to it. It's not just hearing it, it's responding to it. Responding with praise, with obedience, and by abiding in his word. Through prayer, through fellowship of the saints coming together. It's knowing that God is in control of everything, even the smallest details. It's having confidence that he'll make everything right in his time and praising him for all of it. My prayer for us is that we learn to listen to God, that we listen eagerly, that we learn to listen expectantly, but then respond. Well, I don't know what the Lord wants me to do. It's in here. Pick up the book. Everything you need to know is in here. Everything that he wants you to do is right in here. Well, I don't know what I'm not supposed to do. Well, that's in there too. This morning, I don't want you to choose joy. Because none of us can actually do that. What I hope we do is choose Jesus. First and foremost, place him above all else. Choose Jesus. Choose obedience to his word. Choose praise and gratitude in all things. And then joy will come. Like the trees planted by the river, whose roots are nourished by the water so that they can produce fruit. That's how joy bubbles up inside of us and gives us a brighter perspective on everything. That's joy. It's a divine gift. It comes from God alone. Its foundation is in God alone. And it only flows from our relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul tells us in Philippians 4.4, Always be full of joy to the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. That bar is pretty high. Always be full of joy in the Lord. But Paul said it so it's possible. He was writing from prison and he was full of joy. If he can write from prison and be full of joy, if the shepherds can be still in the fields after seeing Jesus and be full of joy, so can we. Sure, you can fake joy for a while, but eventually that facade's going to fall down because you can't have the joy without Jesus. That's why he came. That's why we celebrate his birth at Christmas. Because he came so that we might have an abundant life. 
He came that we would have joy. I'll leave you with one more verse. 1 Peter 1.8 You love him even though you have never seen him. And though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. That's my prayer for us, church. That we lean in on Jesus. We choose him. We respond to him. And we praise him. So that we can be filled with that glorious and inexpressible joy. That's my prayer for every one of you. Holy Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for your time listening to us this morning. We praise you, Father. We leave this place back to our day-to-day routines, Lord, and help us to remember to praise you. Remind us of the good things in our lives. Remind us of your work in our lives. Remind us of the blessings. May we never forget. May we leave this place understanding joy a little better. May we leave this place spreading that joy to those that come through our path. Father, may we have the courage and the strength to be sharing that joy. Because the world out there needs it. Father, in, in Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.